as we were worshiping the day and we're holy, 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 and the Lord spoke to me, he goes, I see you. Uh, I see you. And then I got to thinking about all the things that I needed to ask him because he sees me. And, and he spoke to me that he, I already know those things. And, and when we're in relationship with him and he sees all these things and we're giving all that we have back to them, him, he's working in our lives. And we need to realize that, that he's working in your lives. He, you're, you're not alone. He's with you. And worship him. Uh, the best thing you could do uh, when you need something, again, make the request, but just worship him. Holy, 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 holy. Because uh, that's where the answer lies. But seek ye first him and his righteousness and everything else comes along with it. You may be seated today. Man, it's great to see the house is full again. Uh, did anybody tell you that in the summertime, uh, June, we start dropping off? And, and, you know, actually last of May, we start dropping off. June, we start dropping off. And we start picking up last of July. Does anybody tell you that? Because we're, we're growing in the summer months. And I appreciate that. I appreciate your commitment here today. Keith, come on up here. Got a special guest this morning. Uh, didn't know this guy from Adam amen. probably six months ago. Amen, amen. Over here. <laughs> uh, but when you go to Africa with somebody and spend every day for uh, three, weeks. three weeks, yeah. you, you kind of get to know them. Very well. And, and all he said yeah. is how awesome that your pastor is. Right? Yeah, you know it, brother. <laughs> Praise the Lord. But anyhow, yeah. give him a warm welcome this yeah. morning. Amen. But, amen. But God is with him, and God's got a word, and we want him to have the freedom to speak it. So, Father, again, speak through our brother today. And, Father, we know that your word is, is through him. And, Father, we open our ears now and our hearts now and just say, speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen, Oakton Church. Yeah. I'm excited to be here this morning. Pastor Ken asked me a week and a half ago if I'd be interested in coming and bringing a word. I said, man, I just love to talk about the goodness of God, y'all. Like, he's radically set me free about 20 years ago. I have a personal relationship. I speak with him on a daily basis, and he speaks with me. But before I get into much of all, I just want to share uh, real fast. It's important. It's very important. Maybe even the biggest reason I came this morning is that this morning, as I was out in my secret place preparing for the day, because who knows that in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, Three of, the, three of the four Gospels that Jesus says, hey, look. He says, prepare your soil. He says that God is the sower, the Word is the seed, but we are the soil. I know I'm in a farming community this morning, so I don't know much about farming, but I know good soil just doesn't happen, y'all. Sometimes you got to till that ground. Sometimes you got to take care of that ground. Sometimes you have to prepare your ground. And I'm sure that I'm in the house of the Lord with a bunch of saints that do that and are prepared for the Word of God to come. I know you come expecting to hear some transformation power because we're going to put the seed out there and I know the soil's ready. Amen. Like, like, like this stuff changed my life. My heavenly Father, Jesus Christ, lives inside of me. He died and, and rose again. And I woke up this morning and I ran to my secret place to prepare, to get ready. And that's how I prepare. And as I was out in my secret place just praying, the Lord just kept putting a vision on my heart, in my mind. And, and I'm not a man that I receive a lot of vision. 
But as I was standing there being just praying and worshiping my heavenly father as the sun was coming up this morning, I just began to see a tomb. And it was a tomb chiseled in the rock, kind of like if you go to the internet and you can see that garden tomb over in Israel or whatever. There's just a tomb in a rock, and it looked kind of like that. But the tomb was empty. The stone was rolled away. And I said, Lord, I received that. I, I want that. That means new life. That means resurrection power. That means you're doing a new thing. That means that, that, that the old is gone, that there was a dead man in there that came out, and, and that you got plans, and you're beginning to do a new thing. And the Lord spoke to me clear as day, and he says, that's not for you. He says, tell my brothers and sisters, tell my saints at Oakton Church that he's beginning to do a new thing. I believe that's for you this morning because I don't even, I'm not a man of that much vision. But when he gets them, I want to be obedient. Amen? Like, I hope you receive that, man. Uh, Probably, uh, let me just introduce myself a little bit before I get too carried away here. Uh, So, I am uh, Jeremy Money and Billy Money's brother-in-law. And uh, they're up in Washington, probably getting ready to come back. That's kind of my connection here. Uh, with Oakton Church, how I got to know Pastor Kent, Brother Gary. Um, it, uh, it's amazing, you know, just how God works and the, the relationships he builds and stuff. Uh, but really, I'm a product of a young couple that got together about 50 years ago. Called, their names were uh, uh, Bill and Mary Miles. About 50 years ago, they separated themselves, and they both came from broken homes, so to speak, trouble in the homes and stuff. They came together, made a covenant with their heavenly father and with each other called marriage, and then they just began to get the word inside of them because the way they were living and the ways of man and the ways they were taught and stuff knew that they didn't want to raise their children, and their dedication, their commitment, and they're all in and taking the word and the gospel as it is, and they instilled that and three young girls called, their names were Kristen, Bethany, and Billy, and I'm here with Bethany this morning. And it's because of Bill and Mary's faithful commitment to the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's probably a big reason why I'm here this morning. Like, I don't, I, I've never really even met my mother-in-law. She passed away about the time we died. I met her two times, but I know her commitment to the gospel and what she was, she was uh, just consistent. And, and the word was the word, brother. And, and, and what the word meant, she wanted, and she had a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I'm part of the word, the promise that God says it'll go from generation to generation to generation. My brother-in-law that comes and sits with you guys on a weekly basis, Jeremy, I know that knucklehead is part of their faith too that and so I just want to ensure I want to encourage uh, grandparents parents mom and dads your children are watching it's the Holy Spirit in you today is important your prayer life is important and what you got going on today in your personal relationship with Jesus Christ is important from generation to generation to generation I wouldn't be here if it wasn't so and they didn't know nothing They just started out with zero and said, we're going to follow the Lord. But we're going to walk this out. We're going to be committed. We're going to be consistent. Amen? So uh, that's why I'm here this morning. I got the opportunity, I think about March, mid-March, we got the opportunity. I got the opportunity to go with Pastor Kent, Brother Gary, to uh, Africa, uh, Liberia. And I know a lot of you guys have been there as well, and Albania for three weeks, and it was amazing. Um, And... um, Man, it's life-changing when you get the opportunity to leave this country. You get to find out really how good our country is, how amazing it is, and how the values of 
uh, how this country was set on the values of Jesus Christ and what our forefathers really did, you know. And I'm here to tell you, man, I'm a patriot through and through. I love my country. And it's awesome that uh, we just got to celebrate the 4th of July. And, um, you know, I just, I, I love that. And it's amazing. I just want to share that uh, last week, uh, as you guys were celebrating a lot going on in your church and in our lives and in our country, I made the annual uh, trip with my son. I have an 11-year-old, so 4th of July is still fun. Dad makes the, that's kind of my job is dad get, get the trip to go to the fireworks tent. Mom's too cheap. She won't spend no money. Dad's too extreme. So we kind of find middle ground. And as I take my son up to the fireworks stand, I was just, I was just impressed. I mean, I, I get intrigued with this stuff and I go to the fireworks stand and, and like, man, there's a lot of people there. And everybody looked about half sunburned in the middle of July. And I'm walking through the stand, it's busy. I'm like, man, all these people are spending their money. And, and, and I'm looking, and man, they got all this wild packaging and, and big, big fountains and little fountains and everything in between and pop, bang, booms. And so we get those, you know. And then usually my wife, she does this thing up in her old dusty cabinet up in the corner and stuff. There's this old cigar box. And I always like it when my wife gets the cigar box out. Because somewhere along the line, she ran into these old, I think what they are, is cherry bombs. And like some M-80s. Like I heard my dad talk about them, you know, but, but like I'd never seen them, you know. But every once in a while, she'll get them things out. And it's a crazy thing. Them things, man, they've been up in the closet for so long. Even though they're cherry bombs, I, my dad was a heathen, y'all. And I heard the stories, what he did with these things and stuff. And my dad would take these things. So I'd get these cherry bombs out every once in a while. There's still a few of them up there. But you know what? They've been setting up in that cabinet collecting dust, not doing what they was created to do. And when I light them things, they're really not even that powerful. And they're really just kind of covered in dust, and they're setting up there. Oh, they look good, and they are what they are. Like, they're cherry bombs. I've heard about the power in them. I've heard about the stuff in them. But you know what? When I light one of them old rascals, man, it's just like they've been setting up there so long. And it's like whenever, so, so we take our young, our, our son and we go over and we spend some time 4th of July night with some friends and, and, and of course you got to separate all these fireworks out. You got the daylight ones and you got the nighttime ones and, and he's lighting these fireworks and stuff and some of them are big and some of them are small. When he'd let them off, it's like sometimes the big ones, who knows that once in a while you can get a dud in them fireworks. And sometimes it doesn't matter how big and fancy it looks or whatever. It may be just like the small one. And sometimes the small ones look just like the big ones. And sometimes I can take them apart and the thing that looked this big is really inside about that big. And as I sat there and watched my son do that the other night, as we watched the sun go down and that, I got to thinking, man, what's that look like for me? What's that look like in the body of Christ? The Lord just put on my heart. What's that look like in the church today? See, because even sometimes on the outside, it's a little bit deceiving what may be on the inside. See, sometimes maybe we've been up in the shelf too long, not really doing what he, our Heavenly Father really created us for. See, sometimes our package is big, but sometimes it, doesn't, it all looks the same on the inside. And see, sometimes the outside's a little bit deceiving what's on the inside. And when Pastor Kent called me about two weeks ago or whatever, even as I spoke to him on the phone, the Holy Ghost just began to, sp to speak to me. And before I even hung up the phone, I probably had an 18-minute conversation. I got a new phone, brother. I can see how long it was. I'm technology impaired, y'all. But my phone said I talked to Brother Kent on the phone for 18 minutes. And before he was off the phone, the Lord laid this scripture on my heart. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5 through 9. Yeah, 2 Corinthians 4. Through five and nine. Here we go. This is the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul says, 
For what we proclaim is not ourselves. He's talking about him and his followers. What we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as our Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. I found that interesting. Probably the greatest evangelist of all time, the one who wrote most of the, uh, most of the epistles in the New Testament, the one who radically did the missionary trips and stuff, finds himself a servant. I thought that was powerful. As I'm in transition in my own life, my, I said, Lord, I want to preach. I want to do this and that. My wife says, well, have you been praying to be a servant? And I said, man. But that's how Paul considered himself. The greatest missionary of all time. The greatest apostle. But he goes on to say this, a servant for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness. Very interesting. Let's see how has shown in our hearts to, what's that word? Give. Give. To give. That's a verb, I think. It says that, it says that God who said, light, light, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give away the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Let's go on. Verse 7, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that surpassing power belongs to God, not to us. Verse 8, we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. What Paul's saying is we have this power. Number one, we have this treasure inside of us. It's this treasure that we are to give away. It's the light of the knowledge of, of our Heavenly Father. It's not for ours ourselves because Paul's saying that we are servants for Jesus Christ. And he's saying, look, George the Clay, he's talking about these early, early, earthly vessels. It says that, oh, we may be pressed down, perplexed. We may be crushed, but we're not despaired because we have treasure inside of us. See, I was looking at those fireworks the other night, and I was thinking, man, what's really inside of me? What is it that's inside of me? Is it treasure that's inside of me? What is the treasure that's inside of me? Is it really the knowledge and the wisdom of Jesus Christ? Because, see, like 20 years ago, man, I was a mess, and now he comes and lives inside of me. And is that what I invest everything in? Is that what I go for? Is that what I really shoot for? And if someone said, what's really important to you, would I say it's my treasure inside of Jesus Christ? Paul goes on to give his testimony in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 8 and 10. He says this, three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should have, that it should leave me. We're talking about a thorn in his flesh. We love this scripture. We all know it. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, my, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. That's a tough prayer for us today in this age. He said, God says that when you're weak, most people's going to see your treasure. God says that whenever you're perplexed, whenever you're broken, whenever you're hurt, your treasure's really going to show. Paul says that it doesn't even matter. I've been beat. I've been shipwrecked. There's some in the scripture. He says, I've been beat. I've been shipwrecked. I've been snake bit. I've been this, that. But it doesn't matter for this all-surpassing knowing of Jesus Christ. Paul had an amazing relationship with our Heavenly Father. So really what I got down here is what is our treasure? What's your treasure? What's my treasure? 
What is treasure? I got wrote down right here, treasure's where your heart's at. Treasure's where your heart's at. What do you put your time and energy into? That's your treasure. Is it your small business? Is it, is it your farm? Is it your home? Is it your children? Is it your golf game this morning? That's where your treasure's at. Have we spent time all week in the Word of God seeking our Heavenly Father so He changes us and transforms us so His light, the glory of heaven, will shine inside of us? That's the transformation power. That's what Paul said was his treasure. I got to tell you, like we live in a house, my wife and I make, make a joke all the time that if we lost our house, like, like we live in an older home that we remodeled stuff, it's like we really don't own much. If my house burned or a tornado hit it, we joke and say, ah, I wouldn't have worried about it too much. We really want to rebuild. It's okay. When you don't have much, you don't lose much. Can I tell you, if that, that daggum tornado fire hit my shop, I'd have trouble. Like, I got some stuff in there that's treasure, y'all. I've been working for about a year now on a 55 Chevy. I got, I got a couple old cars in there. Guess where I spend all my extra time and stuff? It's in my shop with my treasure. It's in my shop. It's in my house. I'm not sweating my house too much. I got some treasure. I got some real treasure out in my shop. You can't replace that treasure. What if one of you all, what if we won the lottery in here this morning? Like as Americans, we think the bank account, the 401ks, you know, the money in the bank and everything else. Hey, that's treasure. I guarantee you, if I seen anybody in here win to scratch off the winning lottery ticket, you'd be doing the lottery shuffle. Amen. Glory to God. I got blessed. That's what we think the treasure is. Paul in Philippians chapter 3, verse 7 through 10 says this. This is amazing, man. It convicts me every time I read it. But whatever gain I had, I counted as a loss for the sake of Christ. Man, I don't know if I'm there yet. Like, would I be willing? I, I don't want to lose everything I've had. That's tough and that's painful. Paul says he willingly gave it away. Paul gave his life to the mission and the gospel of Jesus Christ. Can I tell you, when I was with my brothers the other day, we went to Albania to this place in, in there that there was a Roman Colosseum, and they say it was a road that, that the Apostle Paul himself traveled down. It was one of the highlights of my trip, man. I just stood there in amazement. This guy gave everything for this. The pastor over there said that the church record said that there was 80 converts there. Do you know Paul had, didn't have the Bible like we have? He had the Old Testament and he had the power of God living through him. He had the treasure of Jesus Christ living inside and he went and he transformed lives. That was his treasure. Philippians chapter 3 verse 12 through 15 says this. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect. But I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. 13. Brothers, I do not consider that I've made it my own. Or, but yeah, 14, I'm sorry. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call 
of God in Christ Jesus. Verse 14, I press on toward the goal. What are we pressing on for this morning, Oakton? Brothers and sisters in Christ, what's your goal this morning? What's your treasure this morning? Man, I, I was reading this morning and, and they was talking about, talking about Moses and, and uh, Exodus chapter 33, it says, the Lord says, Moses, this stiff-necked people you got here, I'm going to send my angel above them. I'm going to wipe out the Hittites, the Philistites, and all these other types. I'm going to take care of your enemy by my angel. I ain't going unless I whack them, Moses, and take them out. Moses got down. He said, Lord, if you ain't going, I ain't going. There ain't no promised land if you're not in it, Lord. Moses wasn't going to finish the goal if God wasn't there. Moses was headed towards the promised land, but all of a sudden the goal became God himself and having a relationship with him. That's the treasure. It's the journey. The treasure's in the journey. The goal's at the end, but the treasure's in the journey. So I just got to think of where do I find it? You know, if I was thinking of treasure and there's always a map, you know what I'm saying? Like I watched enough movies as a kid. There's, there's always a treasure map, right? How do I find it? What's the map? I just put down a couple things. God's word. Yeah. Romans 10, 17 says faith comes from hearing and hearing from, through the word of God. If you ain't consistent in your word, you're probably not going to have the treasure. I'm here to tell you about two years ago, man, I just changed my life. I used to have to chisel out time so I could make time for God's word and stuff and get that in my day. Can I tell you that now, after two years of being consistent in the word and every morning before my work boot goes on my feet, I get in the word and stuff and now I chisel out my day around the word of God. Can I tell you it's all the difference? It's the consistency. It's the knowing him. Because John says that he is the word. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And if I can get his word inside of me, that means I'm going to be a new creation. The old is gone. Paul said in Galatians chapter 2.20, it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ that lives in me. If we want treasure inside of us, we got to have the word inside of us and be consistent. And as Brother Gary would always say, is how does it apply to my life today? we got to have the word of God. God's people. Who do you have in your life? One way God's going to speak to you is through his people. Are you involved in a home group? Are you, are you involved in the church? Are, are you here on Sunday mornings religiously? Are you, are you here on Wednesday night? Are you seeking friendship and heavenly people, that, that, that saints of God that can invest and pour in your life? Because there's more people out there that God speaks to than just us. There's other people out there that have a relationship with their heavenly father. I need them in my life. We need them in our life or we'll never be exactly where he wants us to be. God loves his people and his Holy Spirit. He says we are ambassadors for him. He says we are temples of his Holy Spirit. Amen. Hebrews chapter 10, 23 and 25 says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. Let us uh, consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some, but encourage one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Who's in your life? Who's in your life? They're going to stir your treasure. Worship. I love to worship, y'all. 
Can I tell you that most of my prayer life is worship? Very rarely do I find myself going out to my secret place and beginning to pray for this or that. or this. Man, I just worship my Heavenly Father. Sometimes I don't think that we need to be on the prayer list quite as often as we do when we just need to worship our way out. Because His Word says that He inhabits the praises of His people, and that's where I want to be in His presence. That's where the chains break off, the addictions flee, and the generational curses are loosed. In Jesus' name. His word says that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And if he's going to be in our worship, then I'm getting down, y'all. I can't help but think that it was King David when he was leading his army in 2 Samuel. He was leading the nation. He was bringing in the presence of God, the Ark of the Covenant. They done tried once and it failed. And it says that David gathered the whole kingdom, the whole place, the whole city of David together as he was bringing in the Ark of the Covenant. And as he was there, don't think for a minute that all it wasn't greater than a ticket tape parade in New York City. The whole kingdom was there watching their new king. And if there was any time ever for for David to show his kingdom and his authority and his presence was now. And as he marched in front of the Ark of the Covenant, as he came to town, David began to do a weird thing. He began to take his clothes off. And he got down to his epoch. And David began to dance before the Lord. Don't think that all them knuckleheads that followed him, them mighty men, man, there's a bunch of relatives. Don't tell me that they wasn't thinking what is going on in his kingdom. David took off his, when David took off his royal robes, he took off his identity. He took off his authority. He took off who he was, where he was. And as he brought the presence of God into his new kingdom, David worshiped. The word says that his wife was sitting up in the tower watched and she despised it in her heart. She was Saul's daughter, King Saul's. She knew what it looked like to look like a king. And this wasn't it. This wasn't protocol to do this in front of your kingdom. But it was important to David to set the tone that we will worship the Lord. When they brought that in, she said, are you kidding me? You're going to look like this, the king, in front of your slave girls? And David said, I'll do so much more than that. He knew where his power come from. He knew where the kingdom was going. He knew that it was going to be the Heavenly Father blessing and leading and guiding that was going to take it. And he was going to set the atmosphere of worship for a kingdom because God's presence was David's treasure. And it didn't matter what people thought. It didn't matter what he looked like. He was going to worship. And he set the atmosphere. The leader of his nation, the leader of this kingdom. Everything that it looked like to be the king, authority, and this and that, he laid it down and worshiped God. Worship. Altars. We need to remember our altars. Can I tell you, remembering things of the past creates atmosphere of expectation. Can I tell you that sometimes whenever God comes through, when we're, we all love to see miracles, we just don't want to be in a position to have to receive one. Amen? I was speaking to a lady yesterday. It's like, man, I love to see a miracle, but you're in a position to need one. Let me pray for you. 
Can I tell you that that's what, remember what our Heavenly Father did in the past will do for us today? That whenever difficult times come and difficult seasons come and difficult things come, we have altars in our life where the God has moved before and we know that this too, we will shine our treasure in a difficult situation because as the scripture says, Paul says, when I was perplexed and I was beat up and I was beat down, that my treasure shone and whenever the world's on the outside looking at us under a microscope in our difficult situations and things, we're going to find out who we're made of. You can't squeeze an orange and get apple juice to come out. So why in the world would the world squeeze a brother in Christ and see anything but Jesus? Sometimes we just fall apart and we look like everybody else, but we don't even know the treasure that's inside. It's Christ in us. I sat there sometimes and I look and I was reading and, and the Lord was just showing me in the Gospels a while back. I just couldn't get out of it, y'all. I was reading the Gospels and I was seeing how these knucklehead 12 guys, they had left everything to follow their heavenly, to follow Jesus and his earthly mission. And these guys couldn't get nothing right. Hey, they was going through Samaria and a couple of them said, Lord, you want us to call down fire and wipe them out? I kind of like them guys. I get it. That's cool. Just like Elijah did. He did it. We can do it. He's man, you're off. Doubting Thomas. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and then we'll know. He said, Philip, have I been here with you so long you still don't know the Lord? Judas sold him out. Peter denied him. But then somewhere I, I, I got this, and I quit. I moved on from the Gospels and looked into the first chapter of the book of Acts. See these guys that couldn't get nothing right? Man, they was knuckleheads. Can I tell you, they left everything still to follow. And they just couldn't get it right. But then come the day of Pentecost and they got filled with the Spirit of the living God. Can I tell you, them 12 guys went on to change the world with the Spirit of God living inside of them. That they went on to a martyr's death. That all of a sudden it was no longer them who lived, but it was Christ in them and, and the things changed. And all of a sudden the gospel spread throughout the world. Right. It was guys that couldn't get it right. But they had the Spirit of God living inside of them. And last but not least, what I really got in my place and where my life's been transformed is in my secret place. Huh. Man, you got to have a place where you get alone and just talk to Jesus. Man, I can go to church a lot and I can have people in my life. I can be in his word a lot and it all kind of combines and it all rocks together. But I got to have my secret place where I was at this morning. That's where he transforms my heart. Man, he takes this old man and this broken man and stuff. And all of a sudden he begins to pour his spirit in and he begins to fill me. And all of a sudden my rough edges are off and stuff. And I hear his voice and he transforms me in my secret place. It's in my secret place where I get revelations from the Lord. It's in my secret places whenever the most difficult times and seasons in my life had happened that I run to. It's in my secret place where I sit and look for direction and I look for the filling of the Holy Spirit. And, and, and I put his word to the test when he says, ask if you need wisdom and receive wisdom and he'll give it to me. It's in my secret place where I get intimate with my relationship with my heavenly father. And I need that because in my secret place is where I hear him. That's what changed my life. I was a believer for 10 years. I've been saved about 19 years. I was a believer for about 10 years, y'all. I was frustrated, aggravated. I was involved with a lot of stuff. 
I took time. I slowed down. I stopped. I said, man, this ain't right. I don't read this in your word, God. He's touched me enough to know the way I was living wasn't right. And I would go outside my backyard and we had no house and I just started cleaning brush, cleaning brush. Can I tell you in about a two week time of stopping everything else and seeking my heavenly father, somewhere along the lines, I got baptized with the Holy Ghost and now I've been transformed and life is anew. Why? Because I went to my secret place and the spirit of the living God came inside of me. That's for you. What's your treasure look like this morning, church? What's your treasure? Can I tell you that that was probably about eight, nine years ago? I want to share another one with you. It's called consistency. About two years ago, I began to, Lord, I just want more of you. About two years ago, I began, as I said earlier, I like to say it, I put, before I put my work boots on, because I tell you, man, I'm real consistent at my work, and I'm real consistent at, at being on time, and I'm real consistent and investing in stuff, and, 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 and I, I just like that, and, and I, I believe that. Like, no one's ever taught me much with my background stuff, and I just worked hard and worked hard, and I was consistent, and I'd work, and I would, I would go for it, and I'd jump in too deep, and I'd just figure things out. But about two years ago, I began to say, Lord, I'm not leaving my house without putting your word inside of me. I don't think I could count on one hand how many times I've left my house in the last two years without it first being in prayer because prayer brings God into my equation. Prayer changes everything. A relationship with my father changes everything. And about two years ago, before I left the house, I began to seek him first, put his word inside of me first. And little by little, my life's begin to change. I have a new solid foundation. My mentor would always tell me, Keith, we need to be rooted in the word and led by the spirit. And in that consistency in my secret place with his word and the consistency and consistency. And some days, you know, you, you get up an extra early. I had a brother tell me before, he says, man, I, you need to get up an hour early and spend an hour in the word with God every, every morning. And this, I thought, you don't understand where I'm coming from. Like, we start early in construction work in southwest Missouri, brother. It's worth it. I sacrificed it. My life's changed because of it. Amen. It's in the... I gotta hurry. It's in the secret place where the revelation comes. Can I tell you that the revelation changes everything? Can I tell you that the Apostle Paul, that these things, that it was his testimony, and he says, look, I have this treasure and stuff. I want to tell you about in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 16 through 20. Probably my favorite book in the Bible. The Apostle Paul is opening his heart. Which, what I really like about the book of Ephesians is this is a church that Paul loved. This is a, a group of people he really invested in. This is one of the epistles that's really not correcting people or directing people or whatever. He's just writing to a group he loves. He has two prayers in there. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 16 through 20. I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. This people that Paul loves so much, this is what he prays for them. I dig it, man. Go ahead, sister. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you and you, Oakton Church, this morning, a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. The 
the ones that Paul loved so much, the ones that Paul spent the most time with, that's what he's praying for. See, because Paul knew that inside of him, through the perplexity and the distresses and everything in life, what we were going to need to keep our treasure inside of us was revelation in him. Some translations, this is the ESV, says knowledge of him. Some translations will say to better know you. That's my prayer for you. I come this morning not to really preach a good word. I wasn't worried about that. I come this morning to stir you, encourage you, and challenge you this morning. We can get a good word. I want to stretch and grow my, my brothers and sisters in Christ, the believers, because there's a lot of stuff going on in Oakton Church in Lamar, Missouri, and I want you to grow. I want you to have the revelation and the wisdom and the knowledge of Jesus Christ so that your treasure just overflows. David says in Psalms 23, he says this, he says, my cup overfloweth. What's coming out of you all? When you walk into a room... Do you bring despair, anger, restlessness? When you walk into a room or does your treasures flow, do you bring hope, confidence, boldness, goodness, glad tidings, joys? Do you bring the fruit of the Spirit with you because you've been in your secret place with revelation and now Christ lives in you? What's overflowing from your cup? He goes on to say this. Where were we? Ephesians 1, 6, 18, having the eyes of your heart enlightened, it's on the inside. Your treasure. That you may know what is the hope to which he has called Bob, called Ted, called Pastor Kent. No, enlighten my heart, Lord, for what you've called me for. Enlighten your treasure. I want to know you more. You've called me. I want to be your servant like Paul. He has called you. What are, can we have the, uh, can we have the uh, worship team come on up? What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? This is verse 19. And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might? See, what comes with great treasure comes great power. It's when we deny our flesh, pick up our cross. When the world's looking at us going through our most hardest time and our cup's overflowing, we just spew out Jesus. See, I don't have to witness no more. I don't have to testify no more. The world's watching how I walk my life, and they're just seeing Jesus. Why? Because I was consistent in my secret place, and my treasure is large. Paul's second prayer, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 through 20. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father. He loved these people. He loved the church at Ephesus. It just blows me away because that would be his prayer for us today. Like he didn't just pray for these folks once. He prayed for them two, three times. It's recorded in the Word of God. He wanted them to have treasure inside. Go ahead, sister, put it back up. From whom every... For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, 
from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of His glory, He may grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being. Go ahead. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Through faith. Through faith you receive this. That you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, the height, the depth. And to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. Man, we don't even get it. He loves us so much. It surpasses knowledge. The treasure. That you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Wow. Now to him, I love this verse. I just stuck this in there because it's good. Now to him who is able to do even more than that. More abundantly than all that we can ask or think. He can do more, y'all. There's more treasure in store for us. There's more. (laughs) According to the power that is at work within him. No, the power's in us. The power's in us. I pray that over myself every morning. I don't even understand how big he is, and I've seen him open the eyes of the blind. I've seen people get out of wheelchairs. I've seen deaf ears open. Hey, man, he took a knucklehead. Y'all don't even know. I was a drug addict. I've been in prison a couple times. He took a guy like me and put him before you to tell you about the treasure inside of me. He took a guy like me and sent me to Africa a couple times to preach the gospel because I have some treasure up inside of me. I didn't get it on my own. I got it in revelation from my secret place because I was consistent in the word. I was consistent in seeking him. I put people in my life that drew me close to him. I never even realized I had the options to let who I could let in my life and who I didn't have to allow in my life. And then I chose good people. And I found the treasure. That's what I'm here for this morning, man. Well, Pastor Kent told me on the phone, hey, come on up and share. Man, it's on. I love to brag on my Jesus. It's amazing to me. I, I find it like this. I was reading last night or the night before about the apostle, about Saul on his way down an old dirty, dusty road. Word said there was men with him. They all seen the bright light around noontime, I believe. But none of the other guys heard the voice. Saul did. Paul got revelation. The other guys were just there. They seen it, but Paul got the revelation. Galatians, real fast. I about forgot. Galatians 1, 11 and 18. This is Paul's... T- Galatians, I'm sorry, sister. This is Paul's testimony. For I would have 
have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard in my former life in Judaism how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. But when he who had set me apart before I was born and called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the unbelievers, Gentiles. I didn't immediately consult with anyone. Nor did I go up to Jerusalem, those are apostles before me, but I went into Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Saul got revelation from Jesus and he ran to a secret place. He didn't run to the preachers. He didn't run to the elders. Paul ran to a secret place and seeked after the revelation. Real fast. I just asked what's your treasure this morning. We're going to open up these altars here. I'd love to pray for you. I was reading last night or the night before about Caleb. And I was reading about the children of Israel in Numbers 14, verse 22. The word says this, None of the men who have seen my glory and my signs that I did in Egypt and in the wilderness and yet have put me to the test these ten times and have not obeyed my voice shall see the land that I swore to give to their fathers. None of them. And none of those who desired me shall see it but my servant Caleb. Millions of people, a nation, led through the wilderness to, to a promised land. They wasn't going to see it but Caleb because he has a different spirit and followed me fully. I will bring him to the land into which he went and his descendants shall possess it. Caleb had the treasure. And his descendants got to possess the promised land. I was reading about Joshua in chapter 1. It's a great read. Fear not, fear not. Just be strong and courageous. But in Joshua chapter 1 verse 6, it says this. I never caught it before. Joshua 1 chapter verse 6 says, Be strong and courageous. For you, Joshua, shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers and to give them. You shall cause this people to inherit the land. It was my mother and father-in-law. I told you, I'd never even met her. Bill and Mary Miles invested in that woman right there. It was their faith, man. They had the treasure. And their faith and their treasure called their descendants into the promised land with my heavenly father. Amen. Amen. I'm going to pray. Pastor Kent, would you like to come up? I don't know. If you're sitting here this morning, I'll tell you what, brothers and sisters, this ain't my usual message. I believe it's a word from your heavenly father. 
We're going to open up these altars. I'd love to pray with you. I'd love to stand in faith with you. Sometimes life just has a way of doing things, you know. Sometimes life just throws us curveballs. We've got to learn how to hit curveballs. Sometimes we just need a little bit more of Him. Sometimes we got to press in just a little bit farther. Sometimes we have to go from just a little bit more. Sometimes we need just a little bit more consistency. If we're going to open the altars up, you guys know more how it works around here than I do, but I want to pray with you. I want to stand in faith with you. I want to grow. I want to pray that the Holy Spirit draws you closer to Him. I pray you're challenged this morning to tell you the truth. I pray that you get in the Word of God this week, that by the time the fried chicken's done here in an hour, that you ain't forgot the message, but thinking, man, I need to know what my treasure is. It's okay. It's okay. He loves you. Paul's prayer was for you to know the power that's already inside of you. It's already there. But it's your treasure. So come on up. If you need prayer, I would love to pray for you.